1: Ryan Roberts, it's mailback time, man. Let's rock this thing out, okay? We I'm going to start right now with what Brandon had, and then we'll get into some super chats. But uh, Brandon says, B. Ryan, can I get a prediction for Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State, Iowa State? And then yep. there's a third game I want to ask you about too, Ryan, as part of the mailback too. So Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Ryan, what say yep. you? I think Oklahoma State continues continues their uh, pretty decent
2: start so far. I, I really – and again – I have been so up and down with Spencer Sanders during the course of his career because he's such a talented kid, but he's just been so volatile during the course of his career. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so far the season, and dating back to the Notre Dame bowl game, man, like he's looked pretty good. He's been playing good football. Yeah. So I think Spencer Sanders has kind of turned the corner as a fifth-year senior. I think he's playing good football, and I think they still have Colin Oliver and Brock mm-hmm. Martin, and a, you know a couple of nice pieces on the defensive side of the football. So I think Oklahoma State wins that one. Texas Tech has been kind of a pesky team most of yes. the year, right? Like they've played really competitive football games. So I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I, I I will just take the Oklahoma State game and uh, Oklahoma State team in this one
1: narrowly over a tough Texas Tech team Ryan you know the interesting thing for me is I would I would argue obviously statistically last week's performance over Baylor was obviously Spencer Sanders worst performance of the season just statistically from a yard standpoint yeah only threw for 181 yards 6.2 yards per attempt went 20 of 29 but you know what he actually impressed me in that game Mm -hmm. and 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 the reason why is because to your point he avoided like the really bad mistakes. He avoided the really bad misses. There wasn't a lot there for him down the field. So he took what was there. And then the way that Baylor was defending him opened up some opportunities for him to make some plays with his legs. And so what we saw Ryan was he was, he did, he avoided the big mistakes. He made plays when he needed to make plays and he put that team on his shoulders and they went on the road and beat Baylor 36, 25 in a game that really they controlled from start to finish. And he was able to win without being at his best. Yes. And that's the thing. When he was on, they could play with anybody. But when he was off, they could lose to anybody. And he yeah. showed me last week because, you know, I mean, Central Michigan, Arizona State, and Arkansas Pine Bluff are not tests for sure. Oklahoma State. They're just not. Baylor on the road was a test. Now, Baylor's not as good as they were last year, but it's still a test, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And they, they they passed the test with flying colors, in my opinion, offensively. And their defense showed a little bit more improvement, and that's going to be the key for me. Texas Tech is not a team that, like, like, look, they're, 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 like you said, they're pesky. Tough win over Houston, 33 20. They lost by 13 to NC State, but that was a, a, I felt a more competitive game than the final score. I don't know if you agree with that, Ryan, but I thought just how the game played out, I thought it was more competitive than the final score. They go, then they bounce back from that, beat Texas 37 34, and they lost 37 28 to Kansas State, but they hung in there. They, they, they play with Kansas State. I just think this game they're going to get smacked a little bit. I think this just because I just don't think they have the offensive firepower. I think I think Donovan Smith, Ryan, you pointed out him to me, so I watched him a little bit this week. He's he's a pretty talented kid. The problem is he he has got a little bit of Spencer Sanders in him in my opinion. <laughs> he is now what Spencer Sanders used to be. He'll make some throws that are like, "Wow, that was a big time throw." Kid's got seven interceptions so far this year in five games. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my, that's my problem. So uh, I I think that's going to come back to haunt them this week against Oklahoma state. I agree with you. I think Oklahoma state rolls. How about Kansas state, Iowa state?
2: That one's a tough one, man. Cause they, they are kind of similar football teams in the sense that they play really good defense and they're, they try to kind of they establish the run. I mean, on Iowa State's side of the things, you got Jaleel Brock, who's had some good moments this year. Kansas State, of course, they have Deuce Vaughn. Adrian Martinez has really played well over the last couple of games. Ultimately, I'm going to ride the hot hand there. I think that both teams are competitive and play good defense for the most part. I'm going to take what Adrian Martinez is doing right now, yeah. as, much, as scary as that sounds, because I think that he's given them a dynamic element as a runner. Deuce Vaughn's a good football player. i take Kansas State in this game just because I don't think that Iowa State has enough offensively.
1: I think Iowa State's in trouble. I do. Ooh. I think Matt Campbell did some nice things at Iowa State, but he missed an opportunity last year. They had a very veteran team, you know, veteran quarterback, one of the best running backs in college football, veteran receivers, and they just couldn't take advantage. And they went what 7 and 6 last year, something like that. They're 3 and 2 now. Iowa, Ohio Stinks, Southeast Missouri State's an FCS team. They beat Iowa 10 to 7. You know, got outplayed by Baylor at home couldn't move the ball on Kansas last week. I mean, that's the only time Kansas looked good on defense all year was last week against Iowa State. I think I think they're in trouble. I do. Because after this, they got to go to Texas, then they're home against Oklahoma, home against West Virginia, at Oklahoma State, home against Texas Tech, and then at TCU. If they don't win this game at home against Kansas State, they may not make a bowl game this year. And I think at that point in time, a lot of shine is off of Matt Campbell, right? Because he raised the bar. And now he hasn't been able to live up to the bar that he set. And I think they're going to fall back down, in my opinion. So they need this game. If they win this game, now they're four and two. And then you, you know, maybe you lose to Texas next week. Next week, you're four and three. But then you got Oklahoma and West Virginia at home. You can win those games. You can beat Texas Tech at home. Now all of a sudden, they they may have a chance to win seven games this year and then go to a bowl game and go eight and five. And then it's like, okay, yeah, this is what I would say it's supposed to be. Seven and eight wins this year, in my opinion, after you lost Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, is a pretty good year for Oklahoma State. But I could see the opposite happening, and I think this game is going to be the trigger for one of those two directions. It's a lot like we talked about with Notre Dame, Ryan, is how that game goes is going to could potentially send this team in opposite directions, similar to what we said about Oklahoma, right? And so I think this is a big, big game for Iowa State, big game for Iowa State. And I'm going to say this too, it's a big game for Kansas State because what we have seen from Kansas State in recent years, even under Chris Kleiman, who I like, is they have not been able to follow up some of their big wins and their big runs with keeping it going. Stacking right? it, Yes. And so, you know, I look at this year and and they had the blowout win over Missouri and then you fall to Tulane the next week. Well, you can live with that now because Tulane's turned out to be a Willie Fritz is doing a really nice job at Tulane right now. You know, they're four and one. Uh, they ha- they have a win over Houston, a win over Kansas State. They dropped the game at home to Southern Miss. That's not a good win. But, you know, that's a, a, a bad loss, but not as bad as it looked at the time. But they followed that up with the Oklahoma win, and then they bounced back with a quality win over Texas Tech. Now can they go on the road and keep that rolling or not? That's, to me, something we need to learn a little bit about them, in my opinion. So I definitely want to see that play out, Ryan.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. I
1: never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before. Because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste-testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection. The rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee. The full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. We do have some super chats down here. A couple super chats from Tyler Evans. He says, uh, favorite. thank you for the super chat, Tyler, for both of them. Or actually, no, we have Tyler Evans and Tyler Smith. So two different Tylers. I apologize. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Favorite game you guys watched last week? And how about that Thursday night game last night? I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did not watch it. I just, I mean, Ryan, you know this. I don't watch NFL really. I don't have time for it. I didn't even realize they were on until one of my wife's employees was, she's like, Yeah, so and so, don't say her name. She's been out all, she's out this week. I'm like, Why? She's like, She's in uh, Colorado for the Broncos Colts game. It's like okay, Bronco. I didn't know the Broncos were playing the Colts. First of all, I didn't know it was last night until I saw a, a score update on on uh, coming across on Twitter. And I was like, oh okay, you, Broncos. You, are you, playing. Didn't, you didn't miss much. You didn't uh, that's miss what much. I heard. I saw. Well, and you know, I saw the final score, and this is like, oh my gosh, this is disgusting. But what was your favorite game? last week ryan that you you got a chance to watch there were several there's some really good football games last week there really yeah. were what was the fa- I, your, your favorite games from last yeah, week? i
2: was like flipping back and forth i think the mm-hmm. oklahoma game was probably my favorite though just because yeah. i was like in, i was in utter disbelief of what i was watching from tcu man i'm just like Kendra miller max duggan uh, Savion williams had a couple big catches for them had a touchdown tay barber uh, darian D- davian davis or whatever his name is the other slot receiver like it was just Ridiculous to watch what TCU did to Oklahoma, man! Like I just could not believe it. It was
1: bizarre, bizarre. That's kind of how I felt about the A&M Mississippi State game. I didn't see I any just, of an, that I game. I enjoyed watching Mississippi State just outplay them for four quarters. I really did. That was uh, that was very enjoyable. Oh, the uh, very the enjoyable. Ole Miss Kentucky was last week, right? Mm-hmm. That, was, that, a game. Game. Yeah, that, that was, was a good game. Yeah, that was a good football
2: game. And uh, big sack at the end. Bull Levis has to hold on to the football at the end there because yep. yeah, they no doubt. Had no a chance doubt. to win, but uh, Ole Miss is a decent football team, man. Yes. They got some guys. Defensively, Ole Miss has all of a sudden gotten a few defensive linemen in there, and yeah. Jackson Dart didn't have a great game, but he's you know played pretty well in spurts, and they have mm-hmm. a really nice running game, obviously, with Quinshawn Junkins and uh, and Zach Evans. So a t- tough football
1: team Ole Miss has this year, it seems. It wasn't as good of a weekend as I hoped it would be, Ryan. Some of the games that I hoped would be good, I hoped that Arkansas would give Bama a better game. And yep. Bama's just not as much fun to watch when Bryce Young doesn't play. This particular team isn't. But I, I Jalen Milrow did some nice things with his legs in the second half. Kentucky Ole Miss was a good game. I thought Oklahoma State was a really fun game to watch. Outside of that, there really weren't a ton of games. You know, Like I said, the, the one you mentioned, TCU-Oklahoma, and then obviously the one I mentioned with – Mississippi State and AM were were fun to watch. I didn't enjoy watching what Illinois did to Wisconsin because I just knew what we were watching. I knew we were watching I, the end of Paul Christ. I I, I have, have a lot of respect for Paul Christ. I, I really do.
2: Yeah. I didn't watch that one. You texted me about yeah. it, and I was like, wait, that's 31 to 10? Like that's
1: yeah, insane. You know, it, yeah. It, it got ugly fast. <laughs> it really did. It really did. I mean, he his time was over. I mean, you he just he hasn't the program's not going in the right direction. I just I didn't think it was gonna ha- I didn't think it was gonna happen or should happen when it did. But mm-hmm. when you lose at home that bad to Illinois, whose head coach is Brett Bielema, there's just no coming back from that.
2: Brett Bielema doing a pretty yeah, solid really job nice in Illinois. Job. Too, well, that was too, another man. game I
1: was going to ask you about. Illinois is at home against Iowa. Illinois has a chance to go, go to five and one if they can I, win this football game, Ryan. Can they, I, can they beat Iowa at home? I think they
2: They can. can. They can. Yeah, they can because, I mean, Iowa's just so anemic on offense, right? So, like, I I think every game's going to be tight even if they do win. So, Illinois can, man. I'm just – I'm still struggling with Tommy DeVito. I don't think he's a great – I don't think he's a very good quarterback. But, I mean, Chase Brown is a stud at running back. Their offensive line is playing pretty well in Illinois, and their defense is good, man. Like, defense is really good. So, I'm not worried about Iowa scoring at all. It's just (laughs) – just have a hard time yeah. trusting Tommy DeVito a little bit. But see but I here's, where I, I, here's
1: where I think that I'm I'm going to disagree with you a little bit is because I don't think well who do you trust more Tommy DeVito or Spencer Petrus? Well, uh, yes, I well yes. That's that's sure. that's where I, <laughs> it comes down to. Me. Spencer other-
2: Petrus out of the 130 whatever FBS teams, he might be Top top low the low five of yes. quarterbacks that I. I haven't <laughs> seen a
1: worse one yet. Well, no, I'm sorry. Yes, I have. It's a kid we were talking about earlier from San Diego State, Braxton, Braxton- Burmeister. He's pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, to me, I think they showed last week that that is. I mean, Wisconsin's a pretty good defense, mm-hmm. and they asked Tommy DeVito, "Look, dude, we don't need you to make a bunch of throws. Just move the chains. Don't make mistakes." He went eighteen to twenty four for 167 yards, and they ran a football. I mean, that that, that to me is the recipe for this football team. And if they can score 34 on Illinois, then they can score 20 to 24 on on Iowa, which is enough for a win. But the thing is, you know, I'm I'm shocked at how good Illinois has been on defense because they inherited a little better roster than I thought defensively in some of the transfers they've gotten. They play really good defense. They gave up 23 and a loss to Indiana, Mm -hmm. and it was, I mean, it was not – I'm I'm not putting all fifty three or twenty-three of those points on the defense. Indiana mm-hmm. had thirty nine yard scoring drive, a fifty two yard scoring drive, a fifty yard scoring drive, a fifty four yard scoring drive. Yeah, you know, a lot of you know, just it was more on the offense to me. Right. Right. But I just um I, I that's gonna be an interesting game.
2: Illinois defense has a really has a nice secondary, man. Yeah. Sydney Brown's a good safety, but I'm telling you, right, Devin Witherspoon is one of the best corners in college football. He's playing fantastic. Really? Interesting, and yeah, man. He's a really good football player. He's going to get drafted probably top 100 this year, I think. He's had that okay. type of year. And then they have a defensive tackle named Jerzon Newton, who I had no idea who he was, but he's been one of the most productive interior pass rushers in college football this year. So Illinois has got some guys in defense, yeah. man. They
1: really they do. play. They are playing really good defense so far this year. Nope. Now, they haven't been tested by anybody yet, but this isn't going to be a test either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? So, I, you know, Minnesota next week is going to be a little bit more of a test for them, but they've shut people down. I and mean, they really yep. have three points to Virginia, 10 to Wisconsin, zero to Chattanooga, six to Wyoming, They're pretty good I, on defense. I,
2: I just want to talk every week about how bad Tony Elliott has turned that Virginia offense in in well, a very short same amount of thing time. In Clemson.
1: Like, Look, yes. I'm going to say right now, and I say I've said it a million times, Yep. Tony Elliott is not a great offensive mind. Jeff Scott is not a great offensive mind. They were great together. Together. together, yeah, yep. And just, just apart, they've neither of them have ever been the same. I just, just haven't. And uh, yeah, I mean that offense was really good last year, and, and passing was fantastic. <laughs> they, this year, they are bad. I mean, they have turned Brennan Armstrong into a very mediocre college quarterback yep with everyone coming back
2: they even got lavelle davis back from injury who didn't play last year like
1: it it doesn't make any sense brennan armstrong right now is completing 52 percent of his passes four touchdowns and five interceptions last year he threw 31 to 10 i think ryan last year he had four games with at least four touchdowns man i mean you know what i mean like you know, goodness gracious! And Dontavian Wicks can't catch a
2: football this year. Like yeah. he's just—he did not have a single game, and...
1: not a Ryan. He did not have a single game that was fifty-two percent completions or lower. His lowest game last year was fifty-five point six against Duke. This Ryan year Armstrong
2: has, was good last yeah. year, man. Yes. He was good.
1: <laughs> yes, he has ran that program right into the ground. It really is offensive. It's really bad. And I mean, the way that they're playing, Ryan. I don't see a lot of wins coming up on their schedule. I no. don't. I really don't. I mean, it's it's bad. Tyler Smith of Super Chat, is this the week we finally see Lindsay get the deep ball? With the way we BYU plays their defense, I believe we will see him uh, a lot one-on-one. Possible. I mean, BYU does a pretty decent job of of trying to prevent the deep ball, mm-hmm. the way that they mm-hmm. drop into coverage. I think if Braden's going to make some big play, I mean, we could see it, and that's why, what did we say yesterday, Ryan? Establish the run establish run establish run establish run. don't let BYU get into their drop eight kind of stuff make them get their safeties thinking downhill if you can get their safeties thinking downhill then yeah you can take one over the top there's no doubt yep I think more likely is what we'll see is something like a an over route cross something like that where Braden gets free and catches it in on the run and then goes that way if he's going to make a big play but it, I would I'm going to be honest I would rather see him just flat beat somebody on a post route and go for a touchdown if if Drew Pine can drop back and, and rip off a post route and Braid Lindsey catches it on the run and scores a long touchdown, that's going to send that's going to be something that you want on film. Yes, no doubt. I just don't know if this is the week that we see it just because of the way that they play. It's almost happened every week. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, I'm just mean the structure of the of the way that they play defense is what it was. Where yeah. I'm coming from.
2: Oh no, I, I'm I'm just saying to Tyler, like, is it going to happen this week? I mean, it may, it could have happened almost every single week this year so far. He was open for so... a deep ball
1: against Ohio State. He was open for a couple deep balls against Marshall. He was open for a deep ball against Cal. I mean, it's been there, just haven't been able to give him the football. So yep, we shall see. Yep. But thank you for the super chat. Here we go. Irish blooded over under on how many times Tobias is targeted. One and a half. Where are you going with, Ryan? On this one. I mean, I'll go under because I have mm-hmm. no reason to think that it's over. <laughs> but
2: yep. it, I mean, if it's under and it's one, that's better than it has been. So that's positive. Well, movement. I will
1: say this if the game gets played the way you think it could, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. nerding blowing him out, then I I do think they'll get him in and and um and get him some targets. If, if yeah. he gets
2: if he gets snaps in this football game, then I'll say it'll be over because yes. I, I just I, I have a hard time believing that they're again going to just trot him out there for one or two plays and not let him get any action. Like get him yep. some action, get him something.
1: Uh, this is a funny comment. Derek Palmer said Russell Wilson is trying to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> Man, it's <laughs> no not great. nobody's taking that contract. There's how no bad, doubt about that.
2: How bad are some of these? veteran quarterbacks that switch teams this offseason man because i mean as bad as russell wilson was matt ryan was equally as bad last night he is cooked man matt ryan is bad now but matt how old
1: is matt ryan he's like 38 i think yeah yeah i mean 37 38 minute yeah he's 37 yeah Yeah. that dude's that dude's old yeah oh he
2: is old he is old but man he uh
1: yeah he looks i read i was listening to some analysis and i forget who it was but they said that the O line for um well they had to put um, the Colts. Uh, Colts isn't it hasn't been very good this year.
2: Well, they had um, especially last night, they had to put the rookie Bernard Raymond in the game, and he was just outmatched, man. He had he gave up like three sacks and had two holding penalties or something. Quentin Nelson actually had a bad game last night. He was not good last night for Indianapolis. So yeah.
1: here's a, a comment a question. Irishman 7114. Speaking of Colorado, did y'all see the scared straight SEC short? Those guys are hilarious. Did you see that, Ryan? I didn't. It was hilarious. You've got to watch it. You've got, first of all, you've just got to watch the sec shorts. They bring it every week, but they basically did a thing with Georgia where they tried to scare him straight, you know? And so it's was like, he goes into this basement and it's like Yukon and I'm trying to think who the other team was. And, uh, you know, and, and they're like making fun of George, like, how could you do this? And like trying to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that, that, that where they put kids in prison and they try to scare them straight with that. It was like kind of similar to that. And, um, you know, because of how bad they played against Missouri. And he's like, y'all aren't even power five teams. I'm like, oh, he doesn't respect. And they're like, bring out the buff. And he's like, the buff. The and buff. this big guy comes out and he's wearing a Colorado shirt. he takes the Georgia guy, like picks him up, slams him up against the wall. He's like, we used to be where you were, national champs, and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, "Now look at us. It's just like, it just scared him straight, you know. And then it was just really funny. But it, they, they do such good work. They really do. I love those guys. They're hilarious. It's like it's it's like every week. It's like just every time they come out. It's like they just bring it. I, they're they're phenomenal. They're a lot of fun. So you will have to watch it, Ryan. You subscribe to them on Twitter, and you'll see it. it. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. All right. So the next question that we have here. Oh, comment from USMA eighty seven. I really really appreciate this. He says, don't forget to check out CFB Nation pods. I'm enjoying them. I appreciate that very much. Uh, the guys have done a great job. The sporting news guys have done a great job, Bill Trochi and Bill Bender. Uh, they do two shows a week. Uh, we're gonna now put one out on Tuesday and one on Wednesday before we were going Wednesday and Thursday, but we're gonna put the breakdown of the previous week's game, the latest news. They've been talking about a lot of the coaching firings. We'll put those out on that out on Tuesday at eleven around 11 every week. And then of course their preview of the upcoming games goes out on Wednesday. So definitely make sure that you subscribe to the CFB nation podcast and get that uh, checked out as well. Uh, so Ryan had to leave. So you can go subscribe to sec shorts uh, on Twitter. So we appreciate or, that. Or, or, um, so, or so my laptop didn't die. Cause it's okay, some plugs there you in. go. That, <laughs> that too. Uh, Kyle waits is over under on total touches for Chris Tyree at 18 and a half.
2: 18 and a half is a good number. Um, I'll go slightly under. Yeah, I think too. that, again, it's with the balance we've seen over the last couple weeks, right? That's the May getting, I think he got 17 carries last week. I know Logan Diggs had 10 carries plus a couple catches, obviously. I think we're going to see a very balanced attack from the running backs moving forward. So I'll say under on the 18 and a half.
1: There we go. So B. Ryan, uh, Brandon pleasure just B. Ryan, does Jacob Lacey forfeit his scholarship by stepping away from the team? Technically. I believe that Notre Dame – I'd have to look at the – I believe Notre Dame could take his scholarship away, I believe, but I don't think there's any chance that they would. They're yeah. not angry with Jacob that he's doing this. They're disappointed. They didn't want him to do it, but there's no anger there. I think they understand it, and they don't like it. They don't agree with it, but they understand it, and and Jacob's done everything right at Notre Dame up to this point in time. I, I, I completely disagree with Jacob's decision. I do. I don't think he should do this. I think he should play the season out. You never know when your opportunity may come. And then, you know, if you want to transfer somewhere next year, then transfer somewhere next year. I'm not a fan of walking away from a team that you made a commitment to. I'm sorry. You know, you weren't promised more playing time. You decided to be a part of this team and you decided to walk away. Having said that, I still think Jacob's a great kid. I think he's making a bad decision. I do. And I think it's one he's going to look back in his as he gets older and regret. You know, and I was having this conversation with my dad last night and, you know, and and I I understand that I understand where he's coming from. I've kind of been there on a much smaller scale. But, you know, the one thing I can always look back on, and say, you know what, no matter what happened to me, I never quit. I didn't I didn't quit. I didn't I didn't walk away from my team. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're punishing your teammates for what you perceive the coaches are doing. And even though the teammates are understanding of it, I don't I don't agree with it. I just yep. don't, but I respect Jacob and I'd be really ticked off if Notre Dame took a scholarship away. And I don't, there's no way they would ever do that. First of all, there's no way Marcus Freeman would do that. Number two, I don't know if the administration would let him do that if he wanted to do that. So either way, it's not, it's, I don't see it happening. So I haven't even really took time to look into the rule officially, but I, I believe like when Lawrence Keyes left last year, there was conversation that they could take his scholarship away. They didn't. So I'd have to look into that a little bit more. Yep. John May with a comment he says BYU has zero trenches we're going to bully these cats 300 rushing yards easy. Uh, there's no way Notre Dame easily gets 300 yards rushing. I mean I mean Brian, I said this right like
2: I think that the BYU defensive line isn't it's definitely not the best I've seen, right like it's not a great defensive line but I mean saying that they have nothing is very disrespectful to Tyler Beatty yeah like I think Tyler Beatty is a good football player. I think there's a couple of good players on that defensive line but it's not it's not a great unit for BYU.
1: so I agree partly but I mean 300 yards easy come on man nah. yes yeah i just again i think it's a disrespect to what byu is as a team but we'll find out anthony solomon says it doesn't look good nationally if byu loses two of the three big games especially losing big as a nerdy fan i would be happy i know that i can count on the media to diminish the result is my point point. and he's referring to somebody said to somebody else but i don't really care about what the national media says about their about this win i think this is a game that nerdy needs if they have a big one over over byu yes they'll Talk down BYU, but I think they'll still get plenty of praise for how well Notre Dame played. Mm -hmm. And but more importantly, it's you need to have more film of you being dominant that you can show recruits. Hey, look, we had a bad start, but we're good now. We've dominated North Carolina who's four and one. And that's then we didn't even talk about that when we were breaking down that game, Ryan. If if North Carolina goes on the road and beats Miami two Mm -hmm. weeks after Notre Dame destroyed them, and then they also destroyed Virginia Tech. That's a great sign for Notre Dame, and you know it. It helps makes them look better, and I love Arkansas and what they're doing. But I will be rooting for BYU next week when they play Arkansas at home. There's no doubt about it. Irish blooded asks: bigger margin of victory this weekend, the Notre Dame game or the Kansas game? You were about the same on both for your official predictions, I, I was, right, Ryan? I was,
2: yeah. So, so the predictions I put out on the site, I, I had Notre Dame with a large margin, larger margin of victory than kansas than uh than kansas losing to tcu but i man i just i when i think about both games i really do think that tcu and notre dame have a chance to run away with it a little bit and kind of have a, a good little side so I, honestly Irish, but like i think it's kind of close i'll end up saying i'll say tcu slightly just because i i think that i think that kansas is a little more smoke and mirrors than byu is so Thank i'll just sure. leave it there
1: USMA 87 said, who saw Syracuse doing so well? He did.
2: I did. I did say they were decent. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. thought
1: they'd be a better team this year. Now, yep. you know, five and zero. Oh, I mean, they haven't really played anybody Probably. great. The Purdue yeah. win was good. I think that's a good win. The Purdue win. I was probably a good would win. have said
2: four and one in right in the first five. But yeah, five, Ryan, you
1: you talked about how good their offensive line was. You loved their running mm-hmm. game. You liked their defense. You you and I did a show this summer where we we were talking about the opponents, and you kept talking about like this this team has a couple pros in their secondary and, and some yeah. good veteran. We we did our all opponent team, and we had two Syracuse defensive players on our all opponent team. We had the the linebacker Jones, and we had the cornerback Garrett Williams. We're both on our all opponent teams. Yeah, and they so, and they have.
2: They have Darian Chestnut, who's yep. another good corner. They have Marlowe Wax, yep. who's playing good football at linebacker. They have Matthew Bergeron, who's going to get drafted pretty high at left tackle. Sean
1: Tucker. I mean, it's a right decent team. Oh, and that's Rhonda what I was going to say. When we got into best position groups, we made the we made the we had the conversation that there's an argument to be made that mm-hmm. the best cornerback tandem on Notre Dame's schedule this is preseason could be Syracuse. I still so believe that Ryan yeah. <laughs> has been talking about Syracuse for a while. Outside of that, not many people. I didn't think they. I mean i I thought they. – Look again. They're they're five and zero. Their only road win in road game is at UConn, mm-hmm. but they dominated Louisville. They had a good win over a Purdue team that's that's decent, right? Purdue just went on the road and beat Minnesota, yeah. and you know what I mean. And and then they had a you know an ugly win over Virginia, but they got it done. And then they blew out Wagner, who's like zero and four, and at the FCS Wagner's level, so right? bad, man, so bad. So we'll 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 see. They got a buy this week, and then they're home against NC State, and then at Clemson, home against Notre Dame. So we're gonna find out. Over the next month, just how good Syracuse is. Then they're at Pitt, home against Florida State, at Wake, at B- BC. So this five and zero start could look not good by the end of the season. But they're doing some good fo- some good things. My question is, can Garrett Schroeder continue what he's doing? Schrader continue what he's doing as the competition amps up on defense. That's good the question. question I have because they haven't played yeah. anybody that I think is has a pulse as any good on defense so far this season. Yeah. That's a big
2: question. I do feel good about for Dino Babers, though, after mm-hmm. what he's done over the last couple of years. It's, it's nice that he's gotten off to a good start because I have to think the seat's getting a little hot for him man. just had to right. have been
1: before the season. But well, I had, I had reached out to some people that are familiar with that situation to kind of find out, like, how's this guy still have a job? Yeah. Right. Like, and from what I was told is here's why <laughs> they're willing to give him a much longer leash because he is incredibly well respected at that school. Cares about the kids. Seems like a good dude, right? Yeah, getting academics, treats people right. That's those things that I've heard. Now, not always the most organized head coach. You know, there's been some staff issues at times, but very well respected guy. And the 2018 season was that combined with the 2018 18 season was going to let them give them the benefit of the doubt to try to turn it around. But I was also told that if things go south this year, that that could be the final straw. So this is a much-needed start. And, you know, again, between NC State at home, Notre Dame at home, Florida State at home, they need to upset one of those two teams. And then between at BC, at Wake, at Pitt, they need to at least win one of those two games. If they do that, they're 7-5, and they're in a bowl game, and people are happy, in my opinion. Not, Not in love with it, but they're happy. Then Mm -hmm. if you pull off a couple of those upsets, you know extra upsets, and now sudden you're eight and four. But that's why beating Purdue was important, because five and zero is, I mean, it's a good look. They're ranked, they're ranked in the top twenty five, and they don't play this week. So unless NC State loses this weekend, which is possible, they could be playing in back to back top twenty five games potentially. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, because then they play Clemson the week after that. So I mean, we'll
2: there's there's just a lot more NFL talent on that team than people give them yeah. credit for. So, yeah, and you have been saying that since
1: before they started five and zero. Market wise says, uh, based on what we've seen in totality, we should still be in show me mode. This game mm-hmm. could change that perspective quite a bit in the right direction. He's talking about the Notre BYU game, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Ryan is agreed. This game will tell us a lot about this team. I'm going to be a believer in this team if they come out and do what we we believe they're capable of. And I'll feel very good. We won't be talking about show me, show me, show me against Stanford and UNLV the next two weeks if they come out and handle their business against BYU. I agree. But for this game, yes, he's correct. This is uh, this is still show me mode. It's a big There's game. no doubt. Coming out of the bye week, feeling decent about yourself with the North
2: Carolina game, it's a
1: huge game. No doubt yep. about it. Yep. Siggy13 says, Brian and Ryan, is there a big difference the way the staff is handling these big venue away games compared to Kelly regime? Or is that pretty uniform across the NCAA? I think everybody has their differences on how they handle road games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's huge, huge differences. I I, I think that what changes is more of this team plays a little bit more so far as plays a little bit more fire and passion than Brian Kelly's teams do. And I think that's really important on the road. Really mm-hmm. important on the road, especially when you're playing a good football team, is you got to come out with a little bit more intensity. You've got to be able to match not just the intensity of the team, but the crowd. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think this team has done a pretty good job of that because, you know, they, they came out playing hard against North Carolina. They didn't execute great early, but they were playing very hard. I mean, you could see that early on. They were playing very hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess I I was curious if this question was also referring to like the bed check stuff mm-hmm. and getting in at a certain time. Like yeah. I didn't know if that's what that was. I don't think that's yeah,
1: maybe. I don't know if that stuff matters a ton to be I mean, yeah. unless you're just doing nothing, which obviously would be a, a problem. I don't I don't think that's necessarily uh the case. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that would also be a an interesting one. Yeah. There's, you know, there'd be a yeah. Yep. So let's go here to this next one, Ryan Alan Trent says, "Is, B- is so uh, so BYU going to handle 87 Michael Mayer? I, they're they're going to have a plan for
2: him. I yeah. mean, handle him, a, that's a big yeah. word. That makes it sound like they just they took him to the woodshed, right? Like they yeah. dominated him. I don't think anybody's going to handle Michael Mayer. It's just can they limit Michael Mayer? Like that's the yeah. biggest thing. I think they'll have a plan. I mean, they have a couple talented linebackers that have some length to them that I think that they'll be able to." try to limit him, but I mean at the end of the day handle I think is a little too strong because I think Michael Mayer is one of the best players in college football
1: so yes. I don't think anybody's
2: gonna handle him.
1: yes I will I, here's here's the thing Ryan for me mm-hmm. of all the teams on the schedule, BYU is one of the teams that is personnel wise in best position to handle him yep because of the length and the type of cover players they have at linebacker. Now, can one of those guys handle Michael Mayer? No, but between you know bracketing and some different things, I think BYU will have a Michael Mayer plan, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they can, uh, like you said, handle him, not one-on-one, but th- th- they, they have the personnel to limit his effectiveness. Yeah. I do, but I also think that then opens up opportunities for other people. Yes. So, uh, this question was asked, Sam Tyrell was asking when we were talking about our predictions earlier on, uh, how many picks do you have this week? We did four, including the Notre Dame game. We did Notre Dame and, um, BYU. We did Texas, Oklahoma. We did LSU, Tennessee, and we did TCU, Kansas was the other game uh, we did also. And then on the season, we will have four to five a week. Uh, but right now I'm 20 and four and Ryan is 18 and six and we're both we're both two and two for Notre Dame because we include our Notre Dame predictions on there. So I'm 18 and two in all of college football. Ryan is 16 and four, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm uh, two and two for, I mean, basically my record for Notre Dame is going to be whatever the team's record is. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the reality of it. So, um, and then Vince, actually, Vince and Sean Styers both uh, are three and one picking Notre Dame games because they both mm-hmm. picked Notre Dame to, they both picked Ohio State in the opener. So. Imagine picking against Notre Dame. Yep knuckleheads i mean yeah they were right and everything but still who cares about being point? right yeah, being exactly right. uh milton fan 15 this i saw this question earlier ryan and it was interesting Mm-hmm. Milton fan 15 says uh, "B Ryan. What does Logan Diggs do that estimate can't do or doesn't do as well? And it, I keep hearing they compliment each other, but all I see is a backup death depth piece from Logan Diggs. I don't, there are several people that I've seen express this. I don't get it. I don't get what people are missing with Logan Diggs. I, I wonder if sometimes the fact that he's always a threat to transfer has soured some people on him. And so they pick apart his game, but I don't know how you can watch him last week and not, You want to know how he's a compliment? Just go watch the North Carolina game, man. I mean, that's the reason, that's how he compliments. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be running wheel routes with Audric Estime, right? And catching the ball down the field. He's a legitimate pass game weapon. Estime is more of what we've seen swing routes, angle routes, little quick stuff. He's a traditional running back as a pass catcher. Logan Diggs is also more elusive than Audric. Audric is kind of a downhill guy. He can kind of do one cut, but. You know, Logan has shiftiness. Logan is their most elusive running back. I mean, even compared to Tyree, I, I think from a style of play and as a runner, I think Estime and Tyree are more similar than Estime and Diggs as far as running style, right? Both one Estime and Tyree, both one cut guys, you know, both counter inside zone guys, off tap mid zone guys, right? Estime is more of a stretch, you know, let the things develop and then find a crease. He can make you miss in space. I think he is absolutely a compliment to those two guys, and I'm not quite sure what you would see that would make you, especially after the North Carolina game. Like I, I could understand this question before the Carolina game, but I, I'm a little puzzled by the question after the North Carolina game because I think that game was the perfect example of why Audric Estime is such a good compliment, not just to Audric Estime, but to also to Chris Tyree. Yeah, I think they
2: all complement each other really well. I mean, if if Milton Fan like if I wanted to quantify him, right? I mean. I think Brian did a really good job of it, but just kind of reiterate again. I mean, Aldrich Estime is kind of that one-cut downhill hammer, but I think that he has some decent foot quickness in the hole, so I think he can make an, a second-level defender miss. Logan Diggs is kind of shifty, making miss in the hole, can run a little more routes than, than what your typical running back can do. And then Tyree is the lightning, obviously. Tyree is also a one-cut-and-go guy, though, right? Like, he's not a – make you miss a ton in open space. He can do it some, of course, but he's wants to get vertical, and he wants to be really, really fast. So I think they all complement each other really well. I mean, Brian, I have never once said that, like, this is a two-headed running back situation, mm-hmm. and then there's a depth piece behind him. Like, this is a three-headed system, in my opinion. I think they can all contribute, and they all do things that are very different,
1: in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think you nailed it. Next question that we have, Brent Smith. Why were Jacob Lacey's reps so inconsistent from game to game? Ohio State 29, 11 for Marshall, uh, two sacks versus Cal, and he played, I think, 24 sacks versus Cal, and then nine snaps at North Carolina. Um, I can explain to you why. I just don't agree with it. They basically, in the opener, they just they rotated a lot of guys in, but after that, they went very offense or pass game versus run game oriented game plans. The Marshall game, so I was told this by several people, that they switched game plans in the middle of the week against Marshall early in the week, they were run oriented game plan and Jacob had a lot of snaps early that week. And cause, cause uh, Jason Adamiola didn't practice a lot that week because he was uh, resting, get a little banged up against Ohio state. And then they switched it middle of the week and went to more of a pass oriented game plan, which I didn't understand. I, I I mean, the run-oriented game plan should have been your deal because you come up tight, play the run, and make Henry Colombo beat you down the field. It was a really bad game plan by Al Golden, really bad game plan, and not in a poorly called game. Now, he's recovered from that, and he's been pretty good every other game, right? I mean, people have bad days, guys. I mean, good coaches have bad days. But that was a bad day, a bad week for Al Golden, in my opinion. And so when they go pass-oriented game plans like they did against North Carolina, they're, you know, they're just not playing. They don't think Jacob Lacey can rush the quarterback. Now, I think that's a little nutty, especially after he had two sacks, including on a beautiful spin move against Cal. It's not like he just bull rushed a guy and drove him into the quarterback, or Isaiah Fosky had a great rush and then they just ran him into F- L- 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 Jacob Lacey twice. His first sack was the best move we've seen on a sack all year from another end defensive lineman. So, I don't agree with it, Ryan, but that's the justification. When they play teams that are more run-oriented, you know, twelve personnel-oriented, they're going to play Jacob. When they play teams that are more eleven personnel-oriented, they're going to play other guys. I don't agree with it, but that's the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going to change. So, thoughts on that?
2: I mean, that's it, man. I mean, that's that's kind of the context to it, right? I mean, we can sit here. And we can disagree with it all we want. And I know true. that me and Brian do, right? Like we yeah. talked about it yesterday on the phone. Like I, I think Jacob Lacey should have played more, but the fact is, is that that's how the coaching staff sees it. That's the game plan they implemented. And that's why it was limited in those, in those instances.
1: Again, don't agree with it, but right. It, why it it, happens. And even if that's true, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. You still need to play Chris Smith and Jacob Lacey more because you do not want Howard cross at 275 pounds as a nose guard, or Jay, Jason Adamula as a 285-pound three technique who's who's had an, a shoulder injury in the past, averaging 45 to 50 snaps a game, which right now they, they are. Yep. That, that's going to hurt you in November. It's going to ta- hurt ta- you in ta- November.
2: We talked about that, too, on the phone yesterday. Like, I, yep. I think that we should have been closer to a 50-50 split or a 45-55 split. Like I think that Jacob
1: Lacey should have played a lot more football. Would I agree. Totally agree. Yep. But I can also explain it, and, and that's the reason why. Right, You know, so uh, we'll see. Michael Johnson with a question. Well, Brian Ryan, what is the best job available right now in college football? So, Ryan, it's Nebraska is open, right? Mm -hmm. You've Mm -hmm. got Wisconsin is now open. Georgia Tech is now open. What are the other jobs? Arizona State is now open. open. There's a fifth job, I thought, that's open. And I'm drawing a blank. Boise State? No, they didn't fire their coach, did they? Not yet. They did it this past week. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the other job is that's open right now. Um, and, and I'm completely drawing a blank right now. But I, I could have swore that when we were talking the other day that there were five jobs available. So we said Nebraska, Wisconsin, Georgia, Tech, Colorado, Colorado. Colorado, Colorado. There, you said, yeah. there you go. There you go. Thanks, Archer. Okay. Thank you for that. So, yeah, I knew there was a fifth job up. So all neurologists got fired. Yep. Rank those five, Ryan, best, best to uh, fit five. Let's go five to one. When you yeah. talk about the best one last, I think I'll, I'll give my opinion. Right. Yeah. On the, I think Colorado's the worst job. Oh, easy. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> that it, is a, barren why wasteland. Yeah. wasteland. There's just not a lot of talent in Colorado anymore. Just they don't yep. produce a lot of talent. It's a very weird school. It's like you, if you took Cal Berkeley and put it in the mountains, it's, <laughs> that's the kind of school it is, right. Which yep. I mean, whatever it is, what it is, but, that is going to hurt hurt you in attracting certain types of players from certain parts of the country. This is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the Denver area. It's beautiful and all that. And that's very attractive, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a Boulder's a weird place. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a, a lot of warm feelings there. It's, I mean, I drive through Boulder to go up to the spot where I proposed to my wife. We used to live out in Denver. So, I mean, it is a beautiful area, but it's just, it's a very strange place. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there the program hasn't been good, really consistently good for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think the other part of it too, Ryan, is they they have they leaving the Big 12 was even worse for them than it was for Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, look, Colorado is which is weird because Colorado has really changed. Okay, talk politics for a second. Mm-hmm. Colorado has gone from a pretty right leaning state to a very left leaning state over the last 20 years because there's been a ton of California transplants into the state. The weird thing, however, is the athletics program, or at least the football program, has struggled to recruit football players from California, which I find very strange. You'd think that it would work, right? And I think that's a part of the reason that Colorado sought the Pac-12 was because they felt that they had more in line with the West Coast than the Southwest. This hasn't worked out that way for their football program. So I think those are the factors why I think this is a bad job. I don't think they pay well either. Uh, Facilities are just kind of okay. Okay. It's uh, it's a bad job in my opinion. And I don't see it getting any better. I, I don't. It's, it's Yeah. And, and I mean, and the previous
2: regime has left them with nothing, right? No, like
1: it, immediate, like
2: I can't see them getting a quick, like not even a quick turnaround, but like too respectable quick. Cause it's just, it's bad right now, man. There's yeah. not much talent there at all. Yeah,
1: really not. What's your fourth job? I I'm, I'm sticking, I'm sticking in the conference. I'm going to Arizona state next. Oh, I'm not I'm not going Arizona State. They're higher
2: up my list. Um, I would probably go Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech's in a tough spot. I mean, I don't think they have a ton of talent. I also think that you're, you know, I know that there's a lot of talent in the South, but you're still in the same state as Georgia, right? So you're not going to get like first hands in Georgia type of thing. You can probably get some decent recruits that maybe get undervalued a little bit, but I think Georgia Tech's in a pretty tough spot right now.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, Ryan, I I think Georgia Tech's a really good job. I do. Hmm. For the right coach. Yes, you're in the same state with Georgia, but Georgia and the Southeast as a whole is one of those states where you can take all the scraps that Georgia doesn't want and still have a pretty good football team in the ACC. Right? I mean, and and, no, Georgia Tech doesn't have a lot of talent, but they have better talent than what we've seen from them record-wise the mm-hmm. last couple of years. I just don't think Jeff Collins is a very good coach. Also, I think Atlanta is a place that you, Georgia tech has been and will continue to be a transfer portal Haven in that it's a place that's if the, with the right coach will always be attractive to, to transfer kids that aren't making it at their school. You know, miles Sims goes to Michigan from Georgia doesn't make it comes back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drawing uh, Kenyatta Watson goes to Texas, doesn't make it, comes back to Georgia Tech. To you know, Derek Allen goes to Notre Dame, doesn't make it, comes back. There's always going to be those kind of kids for the right job, I think. You know, because you, you're hopping a skip from Florida, you're hopping a skip from the Carolinas up to Virginia, you're hopping a skip from Alabama, which is greatly increasing its talent level, and of course, there's a lot of kids in Georgia. Whereas Arizona is ascending as a state producing talent, but it's still nowhere near what it what it what. Georgia is and yes they have California but Georgia Tech can also go down into Florida and and so so and also you know Tempe is a, it's a it's a pretty cool college town but I I don't know if Arizona is a, a place where they can really go outside the southwest to get kids I think Georgia Tech academically also has a lot to offer where they can kind of go up to Ohio and go up to the northeast and they can even go out west a little bit if they get the right coaching staff and get some kids because they can sell a, a pretty quality academic situation as well. So I actually really like uh, Georgia tech as, as a program. It's, it's just one of those jobs, right? Where it's gotta be the right guy. It's mm-hmm. not a job that just anybody can go to, but if you get the right guy, I think he can have some success there. And then finally, I think the league is better. You know, I think right now from a, a, a where you can kind of kind of quickly ascend in my opinion, and whereas the Pac-12, it's like with USC and UCLA out of the Pac-12, I don't know how attractive of a job that is. I mean, are you even going to know what conference you're going to be in in three years if you take that job? You know, and somebody said Dion to Georgia Tech. There's okay, it's a good job for the right guy, and ain't the job for Dion. I'm not. <laughs> if I'm Dion Sanders, I don't think people appreciate how serious Dion is about building up the HBCU mm-hmm. level schools. He's serious about that. Like this isn't just a gimmick for him to recruit and build up a better job. Do I think Dion is forever going to stay at Jackson state? No, no. but I think he's going to be really picky about the kind of jobs he might leave them for. Do I think he'd be attracted to go to his alma mater? I, yeah, I do. I do. 100%. I, I'd be shocked if Dion left for Georgia tech. I, when he says the things he says about building up the HBCU level, I really think he means it. I really do. And mm. I just don't think he's going to leave for just any job. I don't, and I do. and I definitely don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. I, I, you know, I I think he's going to at least like if he leaves Jackson State, it's going to be because he's built it up and he feels like there's a succession in place where they're going to continue going. I I, I truly believe that when he, I, I think Dion's a pretty honest dude, right? I do. Maybe a little too honest sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I do. So, anyway, um, so we we had another super chat there, Ryan, that I saw from Tyler Evans. Has Notre Dame, has a Notre Dame game ever made you guys cry? When I was a young kid, not as an adult. No, not as an adult. Uh, No, not in the last like
2: 20 years, but like when I was a kid. kid? Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: yeah. I I mean, I cried when they, I was 15 when they lost to Boston College and I cried. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I cried when uh, Rocket, when they called the penalty on Rocket. I was so Mm -hmm. mad. There were more tears of anger. My defense I was, I was twelve. But, well, I think yeah.
2: I think I was twelve when they lost in the Bush Push game, and I definitely okay. tried in that game, hundred percent,
1: percent. But as an adult, no. Yeah. Um, I will say this: the first time I was on campus at Notre Dame, I got a little for a game in twenty seven, two thousand seven. I got a little bit misty eyed, but it was more of like you know the 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 Rudy's dad walking to the stadium, and this is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. You know what I mean? So like it was kind of that kind of thing. But I wouldn't say that was another name game that made me cry. It's just the right the magnitude of being on that campus is still an amazing, an amazing right. thing, in my opinion.
2: Oh, it sure is. Walking past yeah. the grotto always gets me, man.
1: It's oh beautiful. yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I, I you know, as you know, Ryan, I believe in the power of prayer. And I I've gone over there before and knelt down on the the the, the over there in the praying area and, and lifted people up in prayer it's or just, lifted myself up and my family. It's a it's a very you just can so feel it. You can feel yeah. it there. You know, well, the I mean,
2: energy and then leaving when whenever it's like a night game, when you leave and it's all illuminated and everything, it's just it's awesome, man. It's
1: really yeah. cool. And you were not alone, Ryan, on the uh the bush push. Connor Nepper says, I cried right. the bush push prior was screaming in the street because we won the dang game. So yeah. Uh Father David Penny says, Brian, that happened to me at the cow game this year, walking on the field on the Friday with my dad. Wow. Yeah. So uh drunk vigo says, Wait, Driscoll isn't Catholic. I've been pretty open about that. <laughs> for a long time. No, I'm not Catholic. So, uh, yes, uh, not Catholic. So, uh, Tim Jenkinson says, Brian and Ryan is putting Maris as a spy on hall. The way to go to contain him in the pocket and make him throw in the pocket with the way our corners are playing. Right. I answered that earlier in the week. I'm going to give you a yeah. crack at answer in this question. See if you agree yeah. or disagree either way. I support. mean,
2: I mean th- this is my thing with, with the spy stuff, right? at times it, it makes sense. Right. And I will not push against it, but I'm not a big fan of like every down spy, right? Like every big pass play spy. I'm a big fan of mix and matching coverages. Cause if you're playing some zone coverage, you're not just going to have one defender with their eyes back to the quarterback. You're going to have a lot of defenders with your eyes back to the quarterback. Right. So I think mixing up that type of stuff, spying occasionally, sure. And then finishing on the quarterback with four, four rushers. Like that's, the recipe to success. I don't think that you have to design a full game plan to say, Hey, we're spying every critical third down, every obviously passing situation. We're going to spy on Jaron Hall. I don't think it's to that degree. I think that you occasionally, you know, especially if if nobody's struggling with it, then sure. Let's throw out a spy at some point, right? Let's do that, but make some match coverages. Let's get some zone coverage. Let's get our eyes back to the quarterback. and Let's go make plays. That's, that's my philosophy.
1: And if you're going to have a linebacker spying him, that would be my pick. Oh, 100%. Yeah. If, it's, if it is a linebacker, it's Marist, 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right, next question from Irish Blooded. There's a legit movement from boosters to buy out Jimbo to, for two losses this year. Just insane. But see, Irish Blood, I don't think it's for two losses this year. This is what Ryan and I said in the offseason when we were kind of making fun of all the hype about Jimbo or about Texas A&M being a top-10 team. I, I never bought that because my question was, what evidence do we have that – He's done anything in AM to deserve that. A nine and one year during the COVID year. I'm gonna mm-hmm. he hasn't earned they didn't earn a top ten status. They went, oh, they beat Alabama. They went eight and four. They lost to LSU and Mississippi State. They lost to Mississippi State Ryan last year at home. <laughs> right? Like that was just a that was, I mean, they're just not good. but the the buyout thing, he, here's why Jimbo Fisher is not getting bought out. Let me I'm trying to see who sent me this earlier in the week, but this was absolutely insane. Ryan, was it you that sent me that? somebody sent me the the particulars on his buyout and it was like it's like it's like 78 million right or something like, that. Like, it's like it's like then it goes down to like 68 is like just absolutely insane yeah the buyout numbers for him like there's no way that that to me there's just there's no way that they do that I mean hit I'm actually gonna look so it wasn't on my phone so let me see if I can so I can uh I'm sure it'll be a, just a quick I, I saw it on Twitter but I know what yeah. you're talking about but Let's see here. Yeah. So if, if AM fires him this year, he makes eight the buyout numbers 85.95 million. If they fire him after 23, it's 76.8 million, 24, then it drops down successive years, 67.5, 58.2, 48.7, 39.2, 29.5. So if they wait till the 2028 season, they still have to pay him 29.5 million dollars. That it goes down to nine and a half, nine point nine million in twenty thirty, and they have to, they'd have to hold on to him till twenty thirty one to not have to pay him anything as a buyout, as an insane contract. And you know what? You deserve it. Why the heck did you give him that kind of contract to begin with? That's a good question. He was getting fired at Florida State. You know what I mean? Like, come on. His agent deserves a huge raise. There's no question about it.
2: Sure does. He's living nice too, right now. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, he makes Brian Kelly's buyout look like nothing. Tyler Smith says, Would you take Brennan Armstrong in the portal? I
2: don't think he has any eligibility left after this year. I could be wrong. I think so.
1: Uh, Let me look at that, Brian. I, I think you're right. I think he is in his final year. So he is a 2018 guy. So. He might might have a sixth year. He's had some injury stuff. I'd have to go look and see. You know who has a sixth year eligibility, which will never Same. happen under the current coaching staff. You'd have to have a change in offensive coordinator. But you know who has a six year of eligibility left, right? Who's that? Folger Kovic. Oh, Folger Kovic. Yeah. Yep.
2: Are they going to say Bo Nix? No,
1: <laughs> no, I would never do that to you. That'd be like the ultimate troll job of you. I would never do that to you. Like I think that would take you a couple days to emotionally and mentally recover from. If I were to yes, say that to you, sure would. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not. I'm not mean like that usually. Uh, Ryan B. B. says three or four ranked teams will be unranked after this week if Notre Dame wins handily. Uh, maybe a chance to be in the top twenty-five possible. It's possible. Yeah, it's very yeah. possible. I mean, there were some two lost teams. Uh weren't there some two lost teams in the top 25 last week, Ryan? There was at least one. I think. there was definitely a lot of two lost teams getting votes. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. And so yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, you had uh no, no two lost teams. Uh, yes, Arkansas in the coaches yeah. poll had one. But you like look at it now, the top twenty-five, either LSU or LSU, you know, if LSU loses, they could drop out. You know, there's Mississippi State, you know, Kansas Kansas is at 19. If TCU beats them, they could fall out. You know, do, yep. I think they're going to need a couple more weeks to get in the top 25. But if Notre Dame just goes out and blast BYU, would I be shocked if they get in the top 25? No. But keep in mind, they had zero votes in the AP last week. Zero. Yeah. Which I think is insane. Here's who here's Who? Here's had votes last week. Baylor had 88 votes. Why? <laughs> Don't they have two losses? I think so. So they, Baylor was 27th. You have Arkansas at 29th, two losses. You have Florida at third at 31st, two losses. You have Minnesota after losing to Purdue was ranked. Tulane had nine votes last week. North Carolina had five votes in the AP last week, who Notre Dame destroyed. And then AM had four votes last week. Purdue had two votes. And Oklahoma had two votes. So Oklahoma just, had two yes, votes? Yes. Yes. <laughs> The coaches weren't even crazy enough. To, well, actually, Oklahoma had 19 votes in the coaches' poll, so I take that back. I saw the last five and didn't see Oklahoma. Their name had five points in the in the coaches' poll. But yes, it's so silly. This is why I'm glad these polls don't have any impact on anything because it's just dumb. It's just dumb.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: then I believe we're getting close to the end of the questions, Ryan. Mm-hmm. We have a recruiting question here. Okay. Uh, this is from Brent Smith. He says, if we sign Jeremiah Love, Jaden Lamar, and Dylan Edwards, also in engineering prices return, we'll have a seven-man running back room. Any chance we see a transfer from Diggs or Tyree? We answered this earlier in the week. I want to say this again. Yep. Dylan Edwards is not being recruited as a running back. So with that being said, Ryan, please answer yes. the question.
2: Yeah, I, I mean we- – like Brian just said, that was the biggest point I wanted to make is that it's not a three-man class. That is a two-man running back class of Jane Lamar and Jeremiah Love. Jeremiah Love chooses Notre Dame, and Dylan Edwards is being recruited to be that slot receiver, gadget role, re- return man type of type of nuance to the Notre Dame team. So mm-hmm. he is not factored into this. So six-man cl- a six-man group with Notre Dame is what it would be. Is there a possibility of someone transferring at some point? I don't want to speculate on it, right? Like there's always – I feel like we've been talking about Logan Diggs transferring for the last year or so. It, you know, Could it happen? Who knows? All I know is that Dylan Edwards
1: is not going to factor into the running back room. Now, will Dylan Edwards line up in the backfield at times? Yes. As he should. Yes. As he yes. should. Yes. yes. He's not a running back. And <laughs> yeah. why would Chris Tyree transfer? Like, he he's going to be a major player for them next year. Now, Brent, I could see Logan Diggs transferring, but that's always going to be a concern with him. Yeah. And it may not even be, he could be starting, and it's going to be a concern for him. I, I, I'm i always going to be concerned about that, to be completely honest with you. I am. I am. Uh, I hope that he doesn't because I want to see him get his Notre M degree. I think he's a good football player. But none of those kids are going to transfer because they sign other kids that are two to three years behind them. Right. I just, especially with this staff's track record of playing freshmen. You know what I mean? So it's like. I would be worried. A freshman going to play for me? No way. Hey, Odric Esme is a Richard freshman. I don't know what you're talking That's about. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, he's not actually. He played 12 games last year. I don't care. Well, I mean, he's not when, a Richard when, freshman.
2: Whatever makes my point <laughs> correct, okay.
1: even if it's wrong. It <laughs> doesn't make your point correct. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard said on this show. Uh, even if it's wrong, as long as it makes my point correct. Um Yeah. I don't think that means can I can spin it right. however I want, yes. sir. No, not really. <laughs> Not really. Not going to allow that. False. All right. So here's a couple more. We had some good questions come in, so I want to get to uh, Brandon Platt's set. Piat's says, Brian and Ryan, are you guys thinking finally to Lewis be dropped to quarterback cornerback number two spot? I feel he has struggled. Uh, I want to make two comments on that, Ryan. I want to go. First of all, he has already been cornerback two. Benjamin Morrison has started the last two football games. He started against Cal and he started against North Carolina. I think with ben, with Clarence Lewis, what has happened is, is he had one bad play against North Carolina, and immediately everybody said, oh, that's Clarence <laughs> Lewis again because they have not heard his name all year. Clarence, the reason you haven't heard Clarence's name all year is because he's been really good so far this year, mm-hmm. and, and he's been a really solid player. He's had he, – you know, Ohio State didn't have a lot of success against him. Marshall didn't have hardly any success against him. He played well against Cal, and he had one bad play against North Carolina, and it was a bad play. He, got, he made a mistake. But Clarence has been really solid this year. He's not great, but he's been really solid. Uh, So, no, I I don't agree that he struggled, Brandon, to be honest with you. But he is cornerback number two. But he he didn't get demoted necessarily because he wasn't playing well. It's just Benjamin Morrison's their best player at corner so far this year. I mean, outside corner. Tariq, I kind of view differently. I view Tariq as a slot corner. I'm talking about the outside corner. So I want to be specific there. He's just been their best cover player so far this year. And it started against Ohio State. I mean, he was the best (laughs) corner cover guy against Ohio State uh as far as benjamin morrison so um but yes he is clarence has been cornerback too and uh has handled it well but he's still playing and he's going to play a lot it's just he's not the starter or at least hasn't been the starter although this is a game that i feel like is kind of more up his in his wheelhouse to be honest with Mm -hmm. you good Mm -hmm. route runners not a bunch of burners that kind of thing is uh is really where he is it's a good question by connor nepper ryan he asked, do you guys believe this is a build year to the big games, even though we have a pretty tough remaining schedule, play younger guys so they're ready going into next year?
2: I, I think you play your best team this year because mm-hmm. with, if that's a young player, that's fine. I, I haven't given up on the year, though, Connor. I mean, it I, it's still – like we talked about the standard a ton ye- yesterday, right? And I think that there's still a standard always, right? So I'm not, I'm not – and it's not like – NFL teams do this sometimes, right, because there's draft picks involved and it's the tanking thing, right? College football, you're not going to get a better draft pick if you don't do as well, right, if you lose some football games. So I still want Notre Dame to beat Clemson. I still want them to beat yeah. USC because I think that those are positive steps in the right direction, and I don't think it's about just setting you up for the next year. I think you try to win every single week. So
1: I, I you know, I, I don't quite agree with that. I think Notre Dame has a lot to play for still too, Connor. I think that this is a team that that has a chance to go out and be a 10 and two team, earn some big wins. Cause like when I first read the question earlier, I thought he was going to be build to the big games, meaning, you know, you get a chance to get hot and then you're ready to win those big games later in the year. Like if that's why you're playing freshman now to build to win those games, then I'm I'm cool with that. Right. But I think you should play younger kids if they are ready to play and help you play, help you win. The reason that I'm advocating for Tobias Merriweather is because he should be playing because he's too talented and the receiving core has been too mediocre for him not to play. Yeah. Simple as that. I'm not at, you have not heard me saying, you know, man, you got to get Tyson Ford in the game. This is BS. You got to play Tyson Ford more. You haven't heard me say that, right? You haven't heard me say, where the heck is Billy Shrouth? You need to play Billy Shrouth more. You haven't heard me say, hey, where's Donovan Heidens? You haven't heard... Why is, There's been, what, three freshman spots that I feel we should be... We should see guys. Tobias at receiver. The tight ends, right? to and Nance Stace kind of go together. And mm-hmm. I think we should see more of Junior 2 Alamok at middle linebacker or Jalen to Rover. Mm-hmm. You know? And I hope that we see that coming out of this game. I don't know if BYU is the game for either one of those guys just because of how creative they are. They, they're... They could... Take advantage of those young guys making big plays. We need to see it against Stanford. need to see it against UNLV and Syracuse. But not all freshmen – I'm not playing – I mean, you already are seeing it in the secondary. I mean, you have two freshmen that are very key rotation players in the cornerback. And, and so I I think you're – the guys that I'm advocating for the younger kids – and, I mean, there's some sophomores in there, but most of the sophomores are playing, right? There's some younger kids in there that need to play to help this team win, mm-hmm. Right? That's what I'm advocating for, is not to play to build for next year, but it's play to to win these games. I think Tobias Merriweather gives you a chance to win these games, these games. And so uh, same thing with Junior. Same thing with Jalen Sneed at times. And same thing with I would be advocating for Benjamin Morrison if he wasn't playing Morris because I think he can help you win games now. Same with Eli Raritan and Holden Stay. So, Connor, I really think it's important to win these games because you need to keep momentum on a recruiting trail. And you need to keep building. And there's not a lot of guys that are done after this year. Yeah. There aren't, you know. And so you you don't want guys thinking that, hey, if I come back next year and things don't go our way, they're just going to bench me for a younger guy. Good luck trying to convince, you know, Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph to come back in that instance, you know. So, yeah, I, you play your best players. I just think my issue is that they're just not playing their best players. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's, that's kind of been my, my thing on that, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I knew this is going to make you smile because Michael Johnson said this, and Ryan has texted me and told me this like three or four times in the last two weeks. Uh, Michael says, "I want Jeff Sims. This is the quarterback from Georgia Tech. I want Jeff Sims if he's in the portal." Ryan, I knew, uh, I knew that I'd pull that up and that would make you happy. I, man, I just. Uh...
2: Brian, I think that there's some Hendon hooker to him. If he enters the portal, man, like I really do. I think that we have not seen nearly as good as what Jeff Sims could be. Cause he's just on a very bad situation. I really think he's talented, man. So if he ever enter the portal and he's also a Georgia tech kid. So I would think that academically he's pretty good, you know, so that he might be able to, to make, to make the uh, transfer work. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, he's not even in the portal. So it's just, you know, it's just a hypothetical at this point, but if Jeff Sims does enter the portal, if I was Notre Dame, I'd reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I would, 100%.
1: Yeah. I would not. I'd reach out because I think I'd talk to him. I just don't think he has the accuracy that I want in this offense. I don't think Tommy Reese would have any clue how to use Jeff Sims appropriately. I don't. I think that says so much about but, Tommy but, Reese. But that's the reality, right? But that's <laughs> yeah. the reality. I I'm, not dis- I'm not disagreeing. I, think, necessarily, I but... think that Jeff Sims has a really live arm and he's athletic. He's just never impressed me with his ability. He, he you know he reminds me he reminds me a lot of ian book i just don't see him processing real quickly and effectively and efficiently i think he's he can be really erratic as a thrower now you could say maybe he's not being coached well or all that mm-hmm. i just think that that i i don't know what he would bring that other than experience that you that you don't have with tyler buckner except maybe he doesn't have the injury history right but I feel like if you're going to bring in a transfer quarterback, it needs to be a guy that you look and say, that guy's definitely better than what you have. And I just don't know if he's that guy. And I don't know who that guy is, Ryan. I mean, you know, because you think it's Jeff Sims. I think it would be Tyler Van Dyke if he were to jump in the portal. You don't think it's Tyler. I mean, so there's – there's all these kids are going to have flaws. Because if it's yeah. a guy that 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 doesn't have flaws, it's either going to be a a, a a freshman or sophomore who can't go pro, who's a mm-hmm. star or it's Mm -hmm. going to be a veteran guy who's looking to kind of resurrect his career because things didn't quite go his way, you know, and, and there's just, you know, there's just not a lot of guys like that. You know, they got Jack Cone because Paul Chris screwed up. I mean, that's the only reason they got Jack Cone. So that's, that's my only concern Ryan is I just don't know who that guy is going to be right now. And that's why I haven't spent a ton of time on it, but you know, to kind of answer another question, Irishman seven, one on forces, I understand if you can't answer because of sources and stuff, but do you think Notre Dame will get, a 2023 quarterback recruit or a grad transfer. I think the goal is to do both. Yes, I agree. I agree um, on that one. Will they get either? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think the the goal is certainly is 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 both. Ryan. Someone someone just said Tyler Van Don't in the chat, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Van Dyke was a really good football player last year and he's he's to me he's a product of I'm not a big fan of Josh Gaddis. I just I don't That's I don't I've never been a fan of Josh Gaddis. Uh, you look at what Tyler Van Dyke did last year. If you put that kid on Notre Dame's roster, that's a really good football player and a really good team. And he fits what Tommy Reese likes to do much more so than Jeff Sims does. And I think that has to be factored in because that is Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. So I, I want to address this too. This is, I think, a very inaccurate statement. Derek Colmer, appreciate you saying it, Derek, but he says disagree that these polls don't mean anything. The committee sees it and uses it to rate wins and losses. No, they do not. The committee has always been very adamant that they do not care about those polls. They rate wins and losses based on how they evaluate teams. Right? So uh, am I saying the committee members don't glance at polls? Sure they do. I would imagine that they do, but they do not use that. They use their own criteria To once they sit down in late October and start making their rankings, they base it off of, they put together their top 25 and that, and it's, it's values off of that. So no, these things don't mean anything. And the reason we know that is because the committee is always very different in a lot of ways from the AP and the coaches' polls. Like, remember when uh, BYU two years ago was a perfect example? BYU was really high in the coaches and AP poll. And then the first ranking came out, and ESPN almost lost their minds because of how low BYU was ranked. You remember that, Ryan, in 2020? And it's like, well, who has BYU beat? You know? And anybody that year, man. nobody. Nobody. And oh, wow. the committee was like, we don't care what they think. You know, the committee's always been, had some pretty big differences with the poll. So no, I, I don't think that it, it, I don't think it matters. It definitely doesn't matter when it comes to, like where you can make a case, Derek, is maybe it matters for like the initial poll. But even then, I don't, I don't think it, but once they have their own ranking, that's what they base it off of is, is, uh, is those kind of things. So that's kind of how I look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So Tristan Paul says, I feel like if Notre Dame comes out flat and loses tomorrow, we have a coaching problem. Definitely very telling day. That's a pretty dark way of looking at the game. But I mean, it, it does show that they have a coaching problem right now, right? I mean, I don't think you sure. would necessarily disagree with that. I think the question would be, is there any chance for a long term problem? Or is it more of just this current staff needs some tweaking? After the season, I think that would be the bigger question for me.
2: Yeah, I don't want to think about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think about it right now. I mean, yep. Tristan, I mean, I think
2: again, if with every potential loss, there is going to be a moment where you're like, okay, what is the what is the overall state of this program? What does this loss mean? And every loss I think means something differently. If, and I but I agree with you that if they come out of the bye week after having some momentum entering and then they lay a goose egg against BYU there is some issue there. There is hundred percent an issue. Mm -hmm. Now, is it long-term issue? Is it something that can be remedied? I'm not really sure about it. I have to take that one step at a time, but I do think that you're on par with like, Hey, that's a opening, Like what the heck is happening right now? Type of thing. If they lay goose egg tomorrow.
1: Ryan B said, uh, they're talking about cows only UNLV being the only loss for uh, cows. The only loss for UNLV. And then Ryan B said, yes, cows, their loss. We, we, who we were one pass away from losing to uh, that pass would have tied the game yeah. unless Cal would have gone for two, that would have only tied the game. So they were not a pass away from tying or mm-hmm. losing. They were a pass away from tying in a game that Notre Dame dominated the second half. I mean, they, yes. they did, they did. We also have a uh, here. So a uh, beef eater says, uh, Brian, any chance of an IB meetup in Syracuse? That's definitely something to consider. Part mm-hmm. of it's going to depend on when kickoff is, because Ryan and I will both be in town for that game. Yep. So uh, just as we get close from we find out what time kickoff is, it'll determine, because I'm actually driving. I'm not flying in for that game. It's like about a seven and a half hour drive. So I actually decided it'd be a lot cheaper, and it was to get a rental car and just drive, just shoot on over. So I'll be driving to that game. Um I think, Ryan, you'll be driving up for it as well, right? I will be, yep. So it just depends on uh, what time the game is. Because if the game's like an afternoon or noon game, it'll be hard because I probably won't be getting until Friday night. Maybe we can try something Friday night or Saturday. But once we find out what time kickoff is, Beef eater, bring this back up again, and we'll be able to solidify some plans. I'm always cool. I'm always down to meet some people. So uh, there's no doubt. And then, you know, since Ryan will be there as well. Yep. Brent Smith asks, how would you classify uh, the Notre Dame offense pro West Coast? I think it's a, a, a pro style spread offense. Would you agree with that, Ryan? hundred yep. percent. I think at times it's just pure pro style. Like when they are yes. really heavy on 12 personnel, it's just flat out pro style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think since Tom Maurice took over, it's been more just pro style. I think under Chip Long, it was more a pro style spread. Yeah. I think under Tom Maurice, it's been more just pro style. Would you, yep. would you agree with that? I agree. I agree. I mean, I think, but
2: I like to, he said West coast, like there's West coast elements. Sure. Sure. But that's like, that's every offense. Every pro
1: every NFL offense has some West coast emphasis to it. Everyone. I mean, Alabama's, I mean, Sark, Sark is a a West coast guy. There's elements Mm -hmm. to what he does. That's partly why Sark doesn't like stop routes Yes, because the West coast offense used very few stop routes. It was a lot of movement stuff. And that's kind of where that philosophy came from. Exactly. So uh, somebody said spread. It's not a spread offense, a spread offense. There's two ways to use the word spread. One is your offense just spreads people out formationally. The spread offense ha- is a legitimate, like you can point to fo- philosophical principles that are part of a spread offense. And Clemson was very much a spread offense. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. going to have a lot of quarterback read stuff. You're going to use a lot of spread stuff, a lot of perimeter screens, it's going to have a a lot of those type of principles uh, in them that are going to kind of fit that. So yes, spread is spread is in that. And Notre Dame is not that team. They're not that team. They've always been pro style since really they were a spread offense. There was a time they were a spread offense, sort of Brian Kelly's first, I'd say three years at Notre Dame. They were kind of a spread offense ran a lot of G scheme, ran a lot. They were pin and pull the first two years. They were a pin and pull team. They didn't have a running quarterback, but they would do read zone with Dane Chris. I mean, that's the play he got hurt on against Michigan, I believe yeah. was pulling on a read zone back in 2010. So they were definitely a, a spread then, but they have gone more to pro style. It started, the transition started in 2012 and from 13 on, it was very much a pro style team. They were more mm-hmm. pro style spread under Chip Long because he liked to do G scheme and buck sweep and, you know, throw some of the RPO stuff, things like that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Tyler Smith with a super chat says, uh, thank you, Tyler for that. Was listening to 97.1, the fan here in Ohio. And they think Ryan day is going to have to get a QB in the portal because they haven't been playing McCord. He would be soiled to get, if he, he would be, um, he would be soiled to get, if he, he would be okay. Uh, he'd be a big pickup if they get him. I just solid Okay. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say there, buddy, but it, uh, I just don't see Kyle McCord not leaving. Like, why would he leave? Like, he's not going to leave during the season. That'd be dumb, right? But CJ is going to be a top five pick next year. Like, CJ Stroud's not coming back. You're going to walk right into this situation, at Ohio State. You're going to have like what two to three years left to play. Why would he leave Ohio State? Because he's not playing this year. He's not playing behind a guy who's ahead of, who's older than him. I don't understand like why he would leave, right? And That does he's a redshirt freshman right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he'll have so three years left after this. So I, I don't that wouldn't make any sense to me. I, I think Ohio State fans just like to say crap to to get clickbait and stuff like I mean, like the whole thing about the Brian Hartline and categorically denying he'd be the offensive coordinator in oh, of Notre Dame. Like what same why are that. we talking about this? Like, why is yeah. this even something we're talking about? Oh, you guys don't have enough to oh, I get it. You guys are playing Rutgers every week and Toledo every week, and so nobody cares about what you're talking about because your schedule sucks since the Notre Dame game. So you gotta have something to talk about. So there we go. Uh, you know, I guess that's maybe why they're talking about it. I, I, I'd be shocked if Kyle McCord left because of playing time, because he's going to walk right into that job. Do you think he's worried about Devin Brown beating him out? No, he is not. He is not. I can assure you of that. So anyway, that's uh, that's my take on this game. So I think, Ryan, that's a good place to end it. It's a good place to end it. But yes, I'll say this. If Kyle McCord did go to the portal and was interested in Notre Dame, heck to the yes on whether or not I would want him and there's no doubt that kid is incredibly talented incredibly talented so anyway ryan that's going to do it great show today tons of, of of fun great analysis from you today a lot had a lot of fun in the mailbag today uh very very much somebody asked if we're coming out to california i will not be coming to california uh for the usc game ryan will not be either i am trying to get somebody out there potentially one of my west coast guys potentially going to that game but uh, we won't be at that game uh, this year. So anyway, for Ryan Roberts, I'm Brian Driscoll. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave us a five-star review. 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning. IB, countdown to kickoff with Sean Styers and Vincent Dario. And of course, about 20 minutes after the game, since I'm not going to beat the game, we're going to get started with the post-game show about 20 minutes after the game. Uh, so we will definitely be ready to rock and roll on that. So we'll so lots of action coming up, everybody. So join the Irish, Irish Breakdown message boards, boards.irishbreakdown.com, for the latest news, notes, and discussion about learning football. Have a great rest of your Friday, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.